0: When the wicked prosper, 2 Samuel chapter fifteen. When we begin chapter fifteen, we see that Absalom has come back to Jerusalem, and he seems to show little to no remorse or repentance for his actions. King David seems to be incapacitated in his duties as king. Ever since his sin with Bathsheba, he has shown signs of weariness, inaction, and sometimes apathy. Dwelling on his past mistakes and not being able to move on keeps him distracted from what is about to happen. Absalom comes home, and he brought home a big ego. He gets a chariot with 50 men to follow him around, and he begins to sow seeds of division within the land. Whenever someone would come to speak to David to settle disputes, Absalom would intercept them. Second Samuel chapter 2, verses 2-4 through 4 says this, And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. Absalom started playing the long game when it came to his rebellion. He was doing this for four years, secretly gaining the trust in hearts of the men of Israel. After four years, he approached David and asked if he could go fulfill a vow to the Lord that he had made a while ago. With no argument, comments, or conversations, David simply replied, Go in peace which would be the last interaction that they had together. It is very poetic that David's last words to his son were, go in peace, when he left with the complete opposite intentions. He left planning to overthrow his father and take his kingdom. The irony of Absalom's decisions is also found in his name, which means father of peace. And surely David must have had some idea what his son was up to. It's hard to believe that for four years he was clueless as to what was going on. Perhaps David knew the whole time what Absalom's plan was, but he decided to trust the Lord, knowing that only God can change a heart or lead someone to true repentance. So Absalom goes out, raises a group of followers who are calling him king to go and take Jerusalem from his father. And he ends up succeeding. This is a story and an example of when in a world we see the wicked prosper and the good suffer. David had had his time where he sinned, but he ultimately came to a repentance Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, for the righteous fall seven times and rises again. Absalom showed none of that, and he seemed to always gain influence and popularity in the eyes of the world. He had everything a man could ever want, yet he still wanted more. He was the king's son, he was wealthy, and he had the people's love, but it was never enough. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? While it's very tempting to chase the things of this world, it will ultimately leave you wanting more. Absalom let his ambition get out of hand. He steamrolled many people and went against his father and God to achieve them. However, God is not mocked and he promises in his word that vengeance is his. Jesus understood what it was like to suffer for doing good and for building God's kingdom. He was healing people, meeting needs, forgiving sins, and they still crucified him. While we suffer, if it is for the Lord, then it is never in vain. We can hold fast and trust that the Lord will turn things around for the good of those who love him.